Welcome to Holistically Heal Thyself. I am Jess Pfeffer, the founder of Real Connections, and I'm excited to share holistic experts, health and wellness practitioners, and people doing awesome things in the community each week with you. They'll be sharing their journeys and leaving you with tips, tools, and techniques for you to use in your own personal life. Today, I am chatting with Carrie Kelly, author of American Detox and founder of Citizen Well. Welcome, Carrie. Thanks, Jess. Great to be here. I'm so excited to have you on here. I was watching an IG Live with you and one of my all-time favorite yoga teachers, Sean Korn, um, just a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, what? Who is this? Bought the book <laughs> right then and there. I am halfway done, and yeah. I'm really excited to have you on, and I would love for the audience to learn a little bit about who you are and what you've been up to. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, gosh. What a long and sorted um, journey it's been to get here. And I talk a lot about that in the book. It's not been a straight line, but kind of a jagged edge um, and maybe somewhat circular. But, um, you know, I grew up outside of New York um, and spent many, many years on the the should path, you know, like the predetermined sort of like uh, dominant path that you're supposed to, to get on and the ladder that you're supposed to climb. And, um, and 9-11 was sort of like the big disruption for me when I I really woke up to a world that wasn't what I thought it had been or wasn't what I was taught it was. And so that really set me out on this, this sort of like desperate search for, for healing and for understanding um, that that is where the book begins, right? It's sort of it was sort of like um, um, a, a wake up call, if you will, um, to um, a world that wasn't what I thought it would be, and a, and a and a real quest for what it means to heal, right? When the unimaginable happens, what it means to heal in a toxic world, um, what it means to heal when our systems are often set up against us. And so that's sort of the journey I've been on over the last you know 20 years or so. It's been really exploring this idea of wellness as politics, quite frankly, as not just sort of what you do on the mat or what you do on the cushion, but it's really what you do out in the world to create the conditions, right? Or disrupt the conditions that are holding us back from our wholeness and from our whole well-being. So that's sort of like my 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 um, my life's work. And that's the work that I, I write about in this book. Beautiful. And, you know, as you said, since it changed from 9-11, and I would love to hear, were you always like an author, a writer, or is it just oh, became this thing that you're like, oh, I need to put this story out there because so much has been happening? You know, I, it's, it's such a funny question because people keep asking me that. And, um, and a lot of folks don't like the answer. I, I really, I write a lot. You know, I've been writing um, this newsletter, Well Read, for the last five years that has been helping people make sense of what's happening out in the world and also find their place in it, find um, ways to take action and plug in. And so I, I've been writing, I guess, my whole life as as do lots of people, but I've never considered myself a writer. And even when I was kind of taking on this book project, it felt more like a weaving to me than a writing, like a weaving of so much um, of the wisdom and the teachings and that I've learned right from like so many brilliant, amazing people that are a part of my lineage. Um, but also like what I've learned by making mistakes, you know, and by fucking up and by, you know, falling down and getting back up again. And so um, the writing process was like 
honestly, it was like a practice, right? It was almost like a healing practice in and of itself. Um, but for me, what was fun about it and exciting about it and interesting about it, because I'm kind of like a research geek, is that it got to be this like incredible weaving, um, a tapestry, if you will, of all that I had learned and all that I have, um, you know, like been able to to pick up and um, carry with me along the way. Sure. Yeah, I definitely noticed that while reading the book. I love that that you, you know, refer out and you use research because I love doing that too. I'm like, there's so much information out there, yeah. right? And there's so many ways to kind of bring on what health and wellness looks like. And I really love how you touched upon using the word well-being. And I've even yeah. started to shift. And, you know, I know you follow me on IG and probably a whole other, other people. Yes. So, um, but I have noticed, I'm like, wait, like I need to stop just posting like, oh, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing for health and wellness. And there's plenty of people out there that don't have the time or obviously the res the resource to be like, oh, I'm also going to go to an infrared sauna. So I've been kind of catching myself yeah. um, of what that looks like. So I definitely want to say thank you to that because that, yeah. that has shifted me a lot. I really tried to model that in the book and I'm still doing that, right? Like we're all in a process of unlearning the the social conditioning right all of the the things that we've inherited from dominant culture and so what you're what you're naming feels like a really important part of the practice which is like just becoming aware of it so that when it happens right you can actually um you know choose to do something different um and 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 you know move into like behavioral change um and that's you know modeling that um exposing i would even say like exposing that for myself felt really important especially as like a white cis straight able-bodied woman in wellness right who has so much proximity to to access and to privilege and and to influence right within the wellness in the western wellness industry it felt really important both to expose um the 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 deep inequality right i talk about it as a well-being gap the deep gap of who gets to be well and who doesn't, right? That exists in our country and really around the globe in different ways, but also to take responsibility for my part in that. And even as I wrote this book, you mentioned like pointing towards other people and other leaders and other resources. You know, I, I tried to like strike a balance between speaking from my own lived experience um, so that folks who are like me could see themselves in me, right? And that could be an opening, but also knowing when it wasn't my turn to lead and or when it wasn't my area of expertise and pointing people in the direction of those who know the way, of those who know what it is to be in that lived experience or those who are most impacted by the issues that I wrote about. I love that. Yeah, I definitely resonated with that. You know, the people, the term imposter syndrome, like comes up and it sometimes comes up for me. And actually, that's why I started my company Real Connections. So I'm a holistic talent agent. And the whole idea oh, cool. was to share information from my own yoga teacher, mental health therapist, but also to say, hey, this isn't my ear area, this person is, yes. right? And kind of put them. So I really Again, when I was reading your book, it was that reminder like, oh, I need to read that book, you know, and it just yeah. kind of brings it on. Um, and to go back to making like different shifts and changes, you talk about in your book um, about perfectionism. Yeah. So I wanted to, one of the quotes I learned from my sister was, um, we're perfectly imperfect. Yes. And I feel like I saw that in, can you talk a little bit about how you have shifted and what exactly that means when we talk about perfectionism? 
Well, I, so perfectionism, the way that um, I talk about it in the book is sort of this like striving for the impossible, right? This like scrambling towards this like never ending destination. Um, and it's not just like an idea in isolation. It's very much perpetuated, right? By systems of capitalism, by systems of white supremacy, by like scarcity mindset, right? It, that like this sort of like toxic culture that ha that keeps us all hustling like cogs in a wheel, right? And it was important for me to discover that for myself. Um, because, you know, the, the, the trick about perfectionism is that when you don't understand it as a part of a larger context, you, you can, um, you can fall into the trap of shame, right? You're like perpetually in like a shame loop because like you're never meeting the destination that you're striving towards. So it's like, it's an endless, um, um, you know, futile, uh, cycle, um, but when you understand perfectionism as a function, right, of a culture and a system that wants us to like work too hard and burn out and and always be reaching for things outside of ourselves to always be wanting to buy more and seek more and defer more um, to ways to heal outside of ourselves, then you then you start to see that um, perfectionism is much more than a mindset, right? It's actually a system and a culture. Um, and so that discovery was really important for me. And I write about that in the book. But what I'll just share with you is I call myself a recovering perfectionist because the indoctrination um, was so deep for me that even as I wrote about healing from perfectionism, right, even with the self-awareness to catch myself in moments where I'm striving to be perfect or to be right um, or, or to... Um, you know, to, to fix. Um, I still catch myself all the time defaulting to that behavior. And even in writing this book, you know, like my editor can share all sorts of stories about how, like, I was just never satisfied. Sure. And it, it almost like ne the book almost never ended because I was like, I kept going back and doing, you know, rewrites and edits and this, that and the other thing. And so, um, and so anyway, so I just named that because I think sometimes, especially like dominant wellness culture, self-help culture sells us this idea that we can just change our minds and be better, right? That we can just choose to like no longer buy into a particular kind of, of mindset. And, and the way that I have come to understand culture and how culture works as the air that we breathe, right? And the water that we're swimming in is that healing, right? From toxic culture is just not that simple. It is an ongoing um, and a consistent practice, right? Of like becoming aware, being intentional, choosing to do something different and also disrupting, right? the culture and the patterns that we're a part of when we see them happening. Um, so anyway, so like, so, you know, I could, I could talk about all the ways in which perfectionism wasn't just in like my childhood, but is very much alive in my activism, <laughs> alive in my writing of a book, even alive in like this book tour, you know, like there have been a couple of times where things have not gone my way. And I've, I've, I've watched myself fall into that pattern of beating myself up and going into a shame spiral and expecting myself to be perfect. And that's just not real. Right. And it's just not human. And so anyway, so it's, it's a, it's a, it's a long, it's been a long struggle for me. Sure. Yeah. I think too, it's also like why we, as a yoga teacher and practitioner as well, as well like you, it's kind of why it's called a practice. It's not totally. necessarily, you know, not a perfect. Um, yeah. It's not a perfect. Exactly. So 
it brought up also about, you know, shame. Um, and I thought about the word belonging, which came up in your book. And yeah. I know that right away makes me think of Brene Brown, who I'm also a huge fan of. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about belonging or, you know, actually last week's podcast interview with Danasia, we talked about, you know, fitting in and what's the difference between fitting in and belonging. I would love yeah. to hear what you think about that. Yeah. I mean, so a lot of what I talk about in the book is, um, is sort of these, these myths. Um, I call them like myths of wellness, but they're really myths of Western dominant culture. And, and one of those myths is like this myth of, of, of what I would call like fake belonging or artificial belonging, um, which um, operates more like membership. So when I think about like whiteness, for example, right, um, um, or, or economic status, right, all of these sort of like um, myths of belonging, these illusions, if you will, of like, you'll belong, right, when you make this much money, you'll belong when you get the big house in this neighborhood, you know, you'll belong if you, uh, you know, if you, uh, you know, act a certain kind of way or dress a certain kind of way or, right, so like all of these different systems sort of play into this mythic ideal, right, of what it means to like, to I'm I'm using air quotes you can't see it but to so called <laughs> to so called belong right and Reverend Angel Kyoto Williams who's you know a, a teacher and friend says that's more like membership you know that dominant culture sells us this sort of flimsy membership <laughs> based on you know um, um, social economic racial um, um, physical right characteristics that actually don't equate, they don't add up to true belonging, right? They don't add up to true belonging. And the way that I have come to understand belonging is similar to the way in which I have come to understand wellness, right? Which is, um, which is a returning to wholeness, which is a state of being whole, right? A state of, and I don't mean whole as an individual, like body, mind, and soul. I mean like whole as a community, right? Whole as a humanity, right? Whole as like, um, uh, you know, all living things, right? In relationship to one another, right? The way in which we are in relationship to, to the earth and to animals and to all of life, right? That kind of interdependent, home, if you will, right? Eco, in fact, right? The word eco means home. So when I think about like what it means to belong, I, I, it feels like it means, it, it calls us to return home, right? It calls us to return uh, to a sense of home that is in deep, undeniable relationship with all parts of ourselves and the world that we are a part of. That's so beautiful. I, I wish I kind of had a, obviously we always go 2020, hindsight's 2020. Um, as a child grow, growing up in New Jersey, that was one of my biggest struggles was the word belonging because I'm Latin and I'm Jewish and I'm American. Yes. And I never felt, I was too American for the Latin kids. I was too Jewish for, and it was always this sense of, and, and now that I'm 40, I still, I find myself going back to that little Jesse and being like, oh man, like it's not about fitting or in, it's the belonging that I, I had from myself, right? Like it came from That's within right. and now finally with all this work and reading amazing books and, you know, finding people like yourself and everyone around me at this point, like I finally at 40, you know, I'm like, no, yeah. I don't need to fit into a box. I don't need to be those things. Like I can just be me. And, and you said it so beautifully. And obviously again, I get so excited when I hear like, you know, we are taught to be independent or even right now it's like, do things on your own, but 
we're we are meant to be in community right That's there right. was the red tent from the beginning of time like packs of people like you know when you go back to sociology too like we do work better in community and also to delegate. We're not meant to do everything on our own. That's, that feels safe. That, that's really true. And, and I love what you were saying. You know, I know this is a podcast about holistic healing. And when I think about so much of what I've had to heal were the ways in which I denied and disowned parts of myself. And that included parts of my lineage and my ancestry, right? Like parts that didn't fit into the like, you know, white upper class, you know, productive ideal that I was taught I was supposed to fit into, right? Within the the all American dream. And, and so healing for me has been kind of going back and picking up the pieces of like my lost selves, right? Of my lost timeline and lineage um, and, and piecing it, piecing back together again, if you will, a whole, right? Some semblance of a whole um, so that I can um, experience, right? The whole of who I am um, without the distraction and the delusion of dominant culture and of what society tells me I'm supposed to be. Sure. And speaking of healing and the journey, um, and I know self-care comes up a lot, and actually we're going to have someone on here about radical self-care. Do you have any daily routines? And or of course, as our friend Sean talks about non-negotiables. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I go through phases. That's one of the, you know, one of the things I'm learning about myself. I'm 46 years old um, about healing is, is that it's okay to adapt based on different times and the different needs I have. So I don't have really a fixed, I find that anything like I do that's fixed and binary also feels like it falls back into the trap of like, there's one right way. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And perfectionism. And if I don't do this one thing, you know, I used to think that if I didn't do like a 90 minute yoga practice, it wasn't worth like getting on my mat at all. Right. So now I'm fine. Just like rolling out my mat and, and just laying there for a while and calling <laughs> that a practice. But I try every day, I try to hit my mat and, um, and it looks different every day and my body asks for different things. Um, but it's a moment uh, when I wake up uh, of just connecting with myself and listening to what's needed and listening for the truth that wants to emerge that day. And like I said, it doesn't, there's not a particular sequence. There's not a timeline for it. Um, Sometimes it's real like rest-like and lazy, you know, um, laze-like. And other times it's like, you know, really like uh, energizing and, and active. Um, but I'm learning to trust that my body knows what it needs and not to impose upon it some predetermined um, expectation. Um, and I try to get outside every day. I, I'm from I'm from New York, but I moved to California a couple years ago because I realized that if I'm going to do this work of like disrupting systems of domination and violence and, you know, advocating and fighting for a well-being that works for everyone, I, I needed to make sure that I I could regenerate myself and I could be nourished and I could, you know, have some refuge amidst kind of the chaos of, of that work. And so now I'm very much nestled in nature. And that feels like a non-negotiable for me, like being outdoors, being connected to nature um, uh, and, and just sort of like making time each day to not get caught up in the, the loop, uh, but to, to be quiet and to be connected right to the world. Um, and, and I'll also just say that, like, I feel like another part of my self-care routine that uh, feeds, you know, my desire for integrity 
and 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 like real relationship um is is really just accountability like like learning how to be in a constant practice right you use the word practice so like a repetitive practice of curiosity about what i don't know or about what i might not be seeing or about ways that i might be participating or perpetuating harmful patterns um, and compassion, right, in the ways that I, I catch myself in the moment and I hopefully do like the, the repair that is needed or, or shift or pivot the behavior, right, into something different. And so that feels also like self-care to me, you know, and it's not often included in like our self-care practices, but like being, you know, and that's a lot of what I wrote about in this book is like asking hard questions of myself all the time, being curious, being, you know, constantly curious about what am I not seeing? What do I not know? What's needed in this moment? How do I show up? Right. What is my right role and responsibility for this work? That too feels like self-care because not because I, I owe something, right? Um, but because I, I want to feel like I'm a part of something bigger than myself. I want to find my purpose in the larger ecosystem of, of social change and justice. And so that work is, you know, is a really big part of my self-care uh, discipline and practice. What a great new tip, tool, technique to share with the audience. I, I wrote that down. I like the right role responsibility yes to be curious um you mentioned you live in california but you do have upcoming book tours and i know you'll be heading this way um to atlanta um, yes. this fall is there anywhere else that our audience can find you whether it's in person or virtual yeah i love that i mean we're doing we did a, a book club that actually is free and available to anybody um and that's um at um, learn.americandetox.co. Um, and that's where you can kind of connect with the community. And we're going to be having local um, book clubs around the country all summer. Um, and then this fall, I'm going to hit the road again and come your way to Atlanta, but I'll be in cities around the country, really just connecting in community. I mean, at, I'm an organizer at heart. And so, um, you know, the way in which I want the work of this book to, to seed and take hold um, and sprout is through small circles, is through living rooms and um, yoga studios and small groups of folks who are are curious um, and and ready to find their place in the movement. And so that's sort of like that's my only agenda with this book is to to use it as an organizing tool so that folks um, can um, do the the grappling right um, that this book calls for. In, in, the, in the support of community, but also know that they're not alone in the ways in which we can take action to change the future. Beautiful. And if um, folks want to buy your book or follow you on Instagram, can you share that information? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at, at kkellyyoga. Um, and I post all sorts of things on there, sometimes <laughs> funny and uplifting, but often, you know, political and um, hopefully, you know, useful for folks who are like, what do I do? How do I, you know, how do I understand what's happening in the world? How can I take action? So that's a really helpful resource. You can also sign up for my newsletter um, called Well Read at citizenwell.org. Um, and what was the third one you just said? Uh, let's see. Oh, where to buy the book. Oh, where to buy the book. So the book is sold anywhere books are sold. And I always try to encourage folks to like buy it from your cute little indie bookstore. Um, and you can either search for that, you know, find your bookstore, walk into it, ask about the book, or you can go to IndieBound.com to find the book.
And of course, it's also available at Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and Target and all the places. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Jess. Um, for those that are listening, if you like this episode and you want to hear more like them, please subscribe, like, follow, and share. Thank you again for joining us. Until next time, wishing you all good health, lots of love, and happiness. Thanks, Carrie. Take care, Jess.